And everyone, uh, let me pray for us real quick. Yeah, all right. Good morning. Let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask you, God, today to work in all, all of our hearts, Lord. I know that a lot of us walked in here, Lord, we have distractions, things that are heavy on our heart, uh, things that we're thinking about, and, and, uh, and I just pray, God, that you would remove all these things today and that you would be glorified, you would be pleased, and, Lord, that we would walk out of here challenged, and more importantly, Lord, we would walk out of here uh, with the strength and the courage to be able to apply your truth to our lives. And uh, we just thank you, God. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Uh, welcome, everybody. Or go around welcoming everybody. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Bear with me, everyone. Bear with me. Amen. Uh, this, is, uh, this is time where, oh, announcements first. Sorry, I'll get there. So uh, Saturday Night Freeway is here uh, every Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. Oh, you can sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Please be seated. So, yeah. So Freeway uh, every Saturday night here at 5.30. Uh, dinner's at 5.30. Service starts at 6. Um, if you want to serve in that ministry, uh, please talk to Mike Simons. Uh, I know he could always use people to serve. Uh, Wednesday night, dinner is at 6 p.m. Classes are at 6.45 uh, for family and young adults. Uh, we're working through a study in here in Proverbs. And, uh, and also men's Bible study uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. It's on. And uh, there's a surprise guest speaker, so you don't want to miss tonight. So if you're a part of that or you've been a part of that, you want to make sure and come tonight. And then uh, women's breakfast and coffee, uh, ask Valerie Matthews. Softball game tomorrow night at Tommy. Oh, Rotary Park, seven o'clock. Uh, baptism at the River Sunday, April thirtieth, after the morning service. Spring Fling uh, is uh, at twenty four oh one Turnbow Road. That's Stephen Dana's house. It starts at three p.m. Kickball, cornhole, roping, fish fry. And then, where's that sign-up sheet at? Oh, there's a sign-up sheet going around. So if you're going to attend that, make sure and sign up so they can get a head count. And then uh, May 7th uh, is graduating senior Sunday lunch to follow services for their families. Uh, spring ladies' trip is at Baker Creek Seed Company on Friday, 12th, or on Friday May 12th, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then there's an outreach, outreach uh, freeway outreach or church outreach Saturday, May 13th at Rotary Park on Highway A, uh, 3 to 6 p.m. And before that, there's a Walk for Life. Uh, it's at First Baptist Church at 8.30 a.m. So we're busy all day. Am I missing anything? Denny. Okay. Discipleship at 3.30 today. 3.30 to 5.30. And okay, so I'm going to pray for our offering. What? Oh. Yes. Uh, Young Adults Fellowship today. Uh, enjoy the outdoors and uh, God's beautiful creation lunch at the Curly's around noon. They'll have a devotion, walk through the woods, and hunt for some morels. Hopefully, they find a bunch. I like them. All right. Anything else? Shelly? Uh, May 4th is National Day of Prayer. 
May 4th, National Day of Prayer. Be at the courthouse when? 5.30. Amen. Yes. Okay. We good? Okay. <laughs> okay, let me, let me pray for our offering. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank, thank you for an opportunity this morning to be able to give. Lord, we know that, uh, that every Christian here, Lord, is, you've uh, made us managers. We're just managers of everything. It's all yours. And so we're grateful, Lord, to be able to, uh, to give back. And I pray that you would use this offering, Lord, to advance your kingdom, to that, advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would use these funds, Lord, in a way to, to bring more people uh, into your kingdom. And we'll give you the praise, and we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You guys sound good. Everyone have a seat if you like. Um, so this morning we're going to be in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. It's going to be a sobering message this morning. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And while you're turning there, I just want to encourage you. Uh, last night at Freeway, uh, Brother Mike brought the message and... Uh, and every Saturday night, the gospel is shared here. And uh, before service started last night, uh, Mike recognized guys that are in the discipleship uh, house uh, because they're graduating the classes, they're season classes. They go every Thursday night, and um, it, it was in all, it's a year. Mike, is that, it takes them a year to get through season one, season two, season three, season four. And these guys are killing it. Uh, all of them got certificates last night. And uh, they have the busiest schedule. I mean, I, I know a lot of us in here work, but, but I want you to know is they have a very, very busy schedule. For them to get two or three hours of their own time for themselves is not a, it's not a common thing. And so, um, so give them a hand this morning because they deserve it. Do I sound okay? Can you hear me okay? Okay. All right, so Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I'll profess unto them, I never knew you, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we, just, we bow down before you in humility today, God, and recognize that I'm glad that, uh, that Lord, nothing depends on me uh, speaking today. Everything is done through the preaching of your word and through the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I just have one request today. I ask that everyone in here, everyone in here, Lord, would know where they would stand with you before they leave this building today. I pray, God, that you'd remove spiritual blindness, Lord. I pray, God, that you'd remove religion. I pray, God, that uh, you would, rele- uh, would just remove everything and let a person know today whether they stand with you, Lord, they're going to come into your kingdom, or, Lord, they, if they took their last breath this moment, that they would stand in judgment and they would hear these words. So we'll give you the praise, God, and we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So we just had revival uh, this past week. And, uh, and I, I was thinking to myself, I attended every night. The gospel was shared every night. It was, uh, it was good. And, uh, and I thought, okay, if I was preaching a series, 
if I was preaching a series to people that was coming to, to be in a revival, to get revived, I would probably start here with this sermon. I would probably start with this sermon, what we're going to talk about today. Because I don't really think that uh, our church, a lot of churches need, uh, I don't think they need to be revived. I think a lot of people sitting in church might need to be resurrected. And, uh, and uh, there's a couple other sermons that, that I would preach too. And one would be the necessity of being born again. And the second one would be repentance. Because those things are not evidence. Uh, uh, repentance is not, not something you hear preached or taught. Or, or, and you don't see it lived in people that claim to be Christians. And so I ask you this morning, as you came in here this morning, and if you, you sat in your chair and there was a card in your chair, and it said, tell me your name, are you a Christian, yes or no? How would you, how would you answer that question? Are you a Christian? So I want you to be honest this morning as we go through these verses. And this question I'm asking you is the most important question I, that you could be asked. And it's the most important question that you'll ever have to answer. And just because you answer a certain way doesn't mean that that's really what you are, and it doesn't mean that that's really where you're going to go. And so Jesus wants us to know, he wants us to know that we have a relationship with him or that we don't. And so he tells us in these verses right here that it, it is possible to think that you're a Christian and not really be one. Now the people that he's talking to, right, when you look at these people in these verses, they look like Christians, they talk like Christians, they serve like Christians, uh, but they never knew the Lord. They never knew him. And so they go through their whole life thinking that they're okay with God. But at the judgment, when it's too late, they stand before King Jesus and they hear these words. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Right? To me, these are the scariest words in the Bible. Think about it. What could be worse than this? To stand before the Lord one day, live your life in such a way you think you're, you have something, you stand before him, you realize that you don't, and you hear these words and it's too late. Game over. Little the scariest words in the Bible, for sure. So today, this is what we're going to do. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says this. He says, examine yourselves. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Now, he's not saying uh, examine yourselves to see whether you've got baptized. You became a church member. Uh, you gave so much money. You got baptized. He's not saying that. He's saying examine yourselves, test yourselves to see if whether or not you're in the faith. And he says this, if you do not realize this about yourself that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed he is not. And so this is what we're going to do this morning. I want you to examine yourselves. I want you to test yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, right? You're the only one that's going to benefit from this. You can lie to yourself, right? You can believe a lie. You can cover it up, but it's your eternity at stake. It's your eternity at stake. So be honest with yourself. Test yourself. See if you're really in the faith. You know, hell is full of people who profess Christ, who said they were Christians, but they never were. Why is that? Why? Because they never took the time to do what we're getting ready to do today. They never aligned themselves with Scripture, and they never, they never uh, took the test to see whether they was a Christian and never took a good hard look at their faith and when they realized they weren't a Christian it was too late so he, Jesus tells us in these verses make sure you're saved make sure I've adopted you into my family make sure that you're mine make sure so there's only two kinds of people in the service this morning and that's the saved and the lost 
And Pastor Eddie Bumpers, he always said, and there's two kinds of lost people in here today. And that's the ones that know they're lost, right? They're living in rebellion towards God. They're shaking their fist at God. They're living how they want, doing what they want, calling their own shots in their life. They're their own authority. And then there are the lost people that think they're saved, but they don't know they're lost. They don't know they're lost. And so I hope today, if that's you, I hope that you know when you walk out here what you have with the Lord or what you don't have with the Lord. And so it is possible to deceive yourself. I was thinking about this passage, you know, and there's no better person that that speaks to myself more than me. And there's no uh, person on this earth that could sell something to me better than I can. I mean, I I can get myself to believe anything I want. Right? Amen. All of us can. Listen, it's easy to put your faith in the things that you've done instead of putting your faith in what Jesus Christ has already done for you. It'd be real easy for me to say, you know what, I'm a, I'm a lot better person than I was. Uh, for, 10 year, or for 27 years, I was in addiction, and I was a criminal, I was a deadbeat dad, I didn't work, didn't pay my taxes, I didn't do all those things. And then 10 years ago, I'm in a jail cell, I get out of jail, and I start paying my taxes, I get a job like everyone else, and I don't steal anymore, I don't rob anymore, and I don't do any drugs. It'd be easy for me to say, you know what, Jesus, you should let me into heaven because I'm not who I used to be. These last 10 years that I've been, been doing all these things, working and paying my taxes and not being a drug addict and robbing people, the, this 10 years should outweigh the 27 years that I was living in rebellion to you. And you say, well, I didn't do any of those things. Well, see, you're in danger already. See, so you're, you're thinking that you're, you're better. But Jesus says we're all on the same level playing field. We're, we're born in this world sinners. David said we come out of the womb liars. He says, every person's a sinner that needs to be saved, right? Amen? So, the setting, right? This is what's going on. Now, here's the background. Jesus is given the Sermon on the Mount. He's given the Sermon on the Mount, and this is part of it. And so, he's in front of his disciples, which would include who? Judas. Judas is sitting right there with him. He's listening to these words. And many other people that were following him. Many. And then in Matthew 5.20, Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus starts. He says, hey, see these guys? What you say is the most religious people on the planet. If your righteousness doesn't exceed what these guys are, you're not going to enter my kingdom. And then the next thing he goes into in Matthew 7, 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is this gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. He tells us only few find it. Only few find it. And then in Matthew 7, 15, and 16, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. And he says you're going to know them by their fruits. Now, now we think when, uh, when he says false prophets, we think of a guy in a, in a new suit with shiny boots, a nice watch and jewelry, you know, a slickster. You know, a, a guy that's standing up behind the pulpit and he's, preventing a, 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 he's, he's preaching a false gospel, one that doesn't get you to heaven and he wants your money, he wants everything you got. We think of that's what he's talking about in these verses. And he is, obviously he is. But also he's talking about the people that claim to be Christians, but they're not. They're false prophets because they claim, I'm a Christian, but they're not. 
And he says, all we have to do, right, the preacher and the Christian, right, period. All we got to do is we got, all we have to do is look at their life. All we have to do is look at their life. What they say, what they do, where they go, what they desire, what they like, what makes them happy, what brings them fulfillment. We're, be able, we're able to look at these things. We're able to, to look at their life and we're able to know whether they're a Christian or not. And so, and now Jesus tells us, he gets to our passage and he says, so beware of false prophets. And now he tells us, to, uh, to, to, uh, he tells us about the people that make false professions. The people that make false professions. Now listen, when I was preparing this sermon, I thought this is a good sermon to preach you know, during revival week. Or it's a good, uh, good sermon to preach to, to, to any church. But as I was going through these verses and I realized what they meant, it shook me in my own boots. Because uh, for myself, you ask my wife, two days I was working through them. And I, I mean, I, I came at it and I'm like, I don't even know if I'm saved. And I had to start working through the process or whatever. And I looked at my wife. She goes, what's wrong? I got tears coming out of my eyes. And I said, well, if I'm not a Christian, I've been preaching, you know, all these times. I stood behind the pulpit. I've taught all these lessons or whatever. And, and I was truly never saved. And I've been lying to people. Huh. Scary, huh? But, right? So Jesus tells us in these verses, right? You can make a false profession and not be saved. But he also gives us this word to know that, what, that we are. And I'm going to give you that today at the end of the sermon. You're going to know when you walk out of here if you're living for the Lord or you're living for yourself and the devil. And so, so working through this, right, it's a good sermon to preach to myself. And so this subject here, I mean, Jesus is, is, is very concerned about it because these are his words to us. He put them in the Bible so we would know what we have or what we don't have with him. And so he says, examine your salvation before you stand before me when it's too late. So my first point is this, it doesn't matter what you say you are, and it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you say you are, and it doesn't matter what you believe. Now look at verse 21 and 22. He says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says in 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. So there's two kinds. There's two kinds of people who say, Lord, Lord. There's two kinds of people that make a, a false profession. Now, the first category I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. All right, those, those are those people that profess Jesus Christ and they don't do anything else or they do little else. These are the people, right? These are the people that come to church on Sunday. They talk about re their religion, maybe their church, but they don't do anything else. They don't do much of anything else. Their profession has never made an impact on their daily lives. The kind of Christianity that doesn't affect the way you live your daily life is not Christianity. I mean, it's unbelievable we have to preach this in our churches today, but listen. When you made your profession, if you continue to live in how you've always lived, then that is the evidence against you that you've never truly been born again. It says, it says in the Bible that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So, so get the picture in your head here. You're dead, you're laying on the floor, you're dead. What can a dead person do? Nothing. And then, like, when Adam breathed life into Adam, that's what happened at salvation. God put himself into us, the Holy Spirit into us. And because he did that, right, it radically changes our lives through repentance and belief. 
Now, if this never happened in your life, then, then stop here, right? You don't have to go any further to see if you meet the test. You don't meet it. If your Christianity has never affected your daily life, you're not saved. Look, he says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Once we're saved, we're a new creation. Either that is true, right? Either it's true in your life and you've been truly changed. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Or if they're the same they always were, that's the evidence you need to get saved. You know, Scripture says, a good analogy is, is like, before I got saved, I was playing for Satan's team. I wore his jersey on my back, right? That jersey said, I, I, I play for myself, I do for myself, I play for Satan, and I enjoy the things that uh, he's put in here on this earth. And then when I got saved, what I did was, is I took off that jersey, and, and I put on a jer- the jersey of Jesus Christ. And so I started living for him. I want to please him. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm walking in obedience to him. And then when I'm failing to do it, I'm confessing my sin, rebuking it, and moving forward. Has that happened in your life? Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If you're still playing for the old team, that means that you still have the same father you always had. And that's Satan. That's Satan. 1 John 3, 8 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of what? Is of the devil. So if your life's never changed and you're still living the same way you always have, you've never switched teams. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, Don't lie to yourself. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, nor revilers or extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, when I, when I was living my own way, doing my own thing, for the 27 years of my life, right, my life, was, my life was categorized by these things. You know, I was a drug addict. I was an adulterer. I was an adulterer. Mike the adulterer. Mike the, Mike the adulterer. Mike the drug addict, right? And then when I got saved, I got changed, right? And now Mike the Christian. Look. Here it is. Do you keep Christ's word and walk in the same way as he walked? If not, if not, God brought you in here this morning because this passage is a warning to you. It's a warning to you. Jesus is saying, don't stand in front of me and hear these words depart from me. You don't have to. I'm telling you now, you don't have to. So those are the first group, right? Their life's never changed. They don't do anything um, other than come to church maybe on Sunday. Two. There are those people who profess and do a crazy amount of works. I mean, they're, they're at God's business. These people pray, they witness, they teach, they preach, they give. They observe all the ordinances, right? Communion, the Lord's Supper, right? Baptism, all these things. They help with all the activities the church has going on. They help on their people. They do good things. They do a lot of good things. But here it is. Both people profess they know the Lord, but in reality, they never had a relationship with him to begin with. Both profess, both say, Lord, Lord, they say the right thing, and they believe the right thing. So, so Jesus is not condemning them for saying, Lord, Lord. In fact, nobody in this room was saved if they never believed and submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord. It's impossible. It's impossible. But the point is, it is possible to say, Lord, Lord, and not be saved. Now look, 
They repeat the word Lord, so that, that means they say Lord, Lord, that means they meant it. It's a, it carries it like sincerity. They know that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, so Jesus is speaking to people that consider themselves Christians. Right? You can be a member of Crossroads Baptist Church and be lost as a goose. Right? You can make a profession of faith. You can get baptized in that tank over there. You can believe the right things. Right? You can say the right things and you cannot be saved. You might be able to quote Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. But knowing and quoting scripture is not enough to get you to the kingdom of heaven. Right? Who can quote scripture? Satan. He knows all of it. He knows how to twist it too, doesn't he? So we all know people that know scripture. But the scriptures never made an impact on their lives. Why? Because they, they never were saved to begin with. They were never saved to begin with. Right? We're looking for an unbeliever to do what a believer would do. Well, they can't. It, they're, right? they're characterized by the nature they have. They still belong to the enemy. So Jesus said, or James said, a man may say he has faith, but if his life doesn't demonstrate that faith, he said the faith is dead. He says it's dead. And, and it goes back to what Jesus says, you'll know them by their fruit. So you got a guy that says, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord. I'm going to heaven when I die. But he's not living for the Lord. There's no, no evidence in his life for the Lord. And, and, and that's the whole thing. Because they never change teams. They never change teams. Right? Believing is good, but believing alone will not save you. I know some of your ears per perked up when I said, you know, uh, not ever, or it doesn't matter what you say or what you believe. But on salvation, right, it, it's a coin. And on one side of the coin is believing. The other side of that coin is repentance. And a lot of people got the believing down, but they don't have the repentance. They never repented. And if, you don't, if you've never repented, you're not going to be saved. If you've never turned from your sin. Mark 1.15, Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. So there it is right there in one verse. Repent, turn away from your sin, submit to me, surrender to me. I'm Lord, I'm God. And believe that I died for your sins on the cross and that God raised me three days later. And you're going to go home with me to be, be with me forever. You know, repentance, I don't even know. You know, if you look up the word repentance, it's used, the theme of repentance is 952 times between the Old Testament and New Testament. The first sermon that Jesus preached was repent. John the Baptist, what did he preach? Repentance. Paul Peter, right? At Pentecost, you know, uh, uh, Peter preaches, and all of them are brought under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and they come to Peter and say, they say, what do we do? He says, repent. Repent. So if you've never repented, right? If you've never repented, you're not saved. So you can profess Jesus Christ as Lord, you can believe the Bible, you can know Scripture, and not be saved. I, I met a lot of people in the last 10 years, a lot of people that had a lot of knowledge about the Bible. Some of them had way more knowledge than I could even ever, ever imagine. Way more me. They could talk the talk, but they didn't walk what they talked. They couldn't walk it. They didn't walk it. So people who can talk about the Lord but haven't been changed by the Lord have never been saved by the Lord. Amen? All right. 
Just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because you're in a church this morning doesn't make you a Christian. If I go stand in a basement, it doesn't make me a basement. If I go stand in a garage, it doesn't make me a car. Right? Salvation always goes beyond lip service. Jesus says on that day. So when he says on that day, it's the day of judgment. And he's gonna, he says, many will say they know me, but they don't. They never did. So just claiming to be a Christian means nothing. Just believing you're a Christian means nothing. When you're truly born again, right, you want to know whether somebody's truly saved, you will see a changed life. Every single person in the Bible that Jesus saved lived a different way after he, after he saved them. Every one of them. Not one of them did he leave where they're at. Abraham didn't continue being a moon worshiper. Paul didn't continue being a murderer. Levi and Zacchaeus didn't continue collecting taxes and ripping off their own people. Right? They were changed. Amen. Just believing you're a Christian means nothing. Right? Just because you have a changed vocabulary doesn't mean you're, you're saved. So Jesus told us about the Pharisees and scribes who were the most religious people on the planet, but they are lost. They are in this crowd too. And he says, you know, if your righteousness doesn't exceed theirs, you don't have a chance. So, so who were they? Well, again, if you looked on outwardly, they were the most religious people on the planet. They believed God. They believed in God. They believed in the Bible. They believed that God should be worshipped. They believed in sin. They believed in, in the coming kingdom of God. They were all about rules and rituals and ordinances. They prayed. They fasted. They gave. They worked, but they didn't know Jesus. But they didn't know Jesus. Listen, you can make a false profession of faith. You can stand before others and profess that Christ is your Lord with your mouth. But if it's not real in your heart, you're lost. Now, I can't see into your heart, but God can. Right? 1 Samuel 16, 7, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Just because you say, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean you're really saved. Jesus says, many will say to me. He's saying the majority will say to me. Remember the story uh, about the rich man and, and, uh, that went to the temple to pray and uh, the tax collector that was there, right? The tax collector wouldn't even look up. Uh, you know, he just said, God, have mercy on me. Uh, but but the, the religious guy, right, what did he, what did he pray? He said, man, Lord, I'm a good guy. I'm not like that guy over there. I'm not unjust. I don't steal. I'm not an adulterer. I fast. I tithe. I follow your law. But when his prayer was over, Jesus said only one of them went home justified. And it wasn't that guy. Because he wasn't a good guy, was he? No, none of us are. 2 Timothy 3.5 says this, right? Having a form or having a, an appearance of godliness but denying its power. So this simply means that the people go through their whole lives being religious, but they deny the righteousness they desperately need through Jesus Christ. They look good on the outside, but they're rotten on the inside. 2 Corinthians 5.19 and 21 says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. For God hath made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, so anyone, right, any one of us that denies the righteousness that we need through Jesus Christ, we're not going to enter heaven. The only way that you're going to have the righteousness you need is through him. All the religion in the world won't get you the forgiveness and the righteousness you desperately need to be accepted by God. So, it doesn't matter what you say, and it doesn't matter what you believe, if, you're so, if, if, only, if, if it only st- stops at belief. Everybody with me? All right. So, two, it doesn't matter what you do and how much you do of it. Verse 22 says, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? So, he's telling us right here, heads up, that it is, it is possible to do a crazy amount of works and not be saved. So, he says in verse 22, right? So, preachers, teachers, counselors, uh, any Christian that's talking to another Christian or talking to others about Jesus, this is, this is who he's talking about in verse 22. He says, Lord, we have preached in thy name. So, Jesus says that I can even stand behind this pulpit today and be lost. I can declare the gospel, declare his word, I can teach it, counsel it, minister it in a hundred different ways and still be lost. Right? The prophesy means to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim his truth, to stand up and preach God's word. So the thing is, right, just because I stand behind this pulpit doesn't make me a Christian. Preaching and teaching doesn't save you. This is what got me. There's going to be a lot of preachers and teachers on Judgment Day saying, Lord, don't you remember all those sermons that I preached? Don't you remember all those times that I counseled your word? Don't you remember all those times, God, that I served you in the church? All those Bible study lessons I taught? And Jesus is going to tell him, depart from me, I never knew you. So they preached about the cross, but they never came to the cross in repentance and received the forgiveness of their sins. Why? Because they thought that the preaching and the teaching, uh, uh, teaching others about Jesus, right, they thought that those things made them right with Jesus. And he says they don't. They don't. And then in verse 22, it says, In thy name have cast out devils. So, so here's the thing. is Jesus tells us that, that even a person can cast out demons and still be lost. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, how in the world can an unbeliever cast out demons? But there's other powers at work in this world that does crazy amount of things right remember in the temptation of jesus right uh, satan is uh tempting him and satan tells jesus he says I, I can give you all these things if you'll just bow down before me because they've been given to me so everything that satan was promising jesus if he had just bowed down to him he was able to give because it's been given to him uh right Satan's called the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of this world, uh, right? The God of this world, little g, right? This is what scripture says. It's his time. And so even an unbeliever can cast out demons. So just because you're, you're a part of that or you see something supernatural doesn't mean it's good. And then the last one here is 
verse 22, it says, In thy name done many wonderful works. So, wonderful, incredible, amazing works don't save you. So these people, right, they're standing before Jesus. They were hard workers. They were faithful to church. They sang in the choir. They led worship. They taught classes, worked in the sound booth. They took up the offering. They worked in the nursery, right? They drove the vans. They were very busy, busy serving God. They were extremely busy serving God. They say, Lord, didn't we do all these amazing, incredible things in your name? But here's the thing is, Jesus never said they didn't do a lot of amazing works in his name. He never said that. But what they're saying is, Lord, look at all these things that we've done. We've tithed. I gave this much money to your church this year. We were at church every Sunday. The doors were open. We were there on Wednesday nights. We served people food. Our works were many. Our works were wonderful. Our works were amazing. And Lord, we did every single one of them for you. Listen, this is important. When we get to the place where we're standing before the Lord, when genuine believers stand before the Lord in that day, not a one of them are going to be pressing about what they've done for him. There's not going to be a genuine believer saying, Lord, look at all I've done for you. A genuine believer is going to stand before Jesus and it's going to be praising him for everything that he's done. If you go through the judgment seat of Christ, right, and and if we get a crown of this or a crown of that or whatever and you see what happens in that, what do they do? The genuine believer gives the crown back to Jesus. Why? Because he earned it. None of us will stand before Jesus and say, look what I did. Look at my resume. Look at all the years I served you. It won't happen. We will be worshiping the Lord Jesus because why? He saved us. He saved us. What in the world could equal me? What could I do in this lifetime? If I did it every day of my life for the rest of my life to equal what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross? Impossible. Right? We're not going to be doing that. Three times, verse 22, we read, In thy name, we preached in thy name, we cast out demons in your name, we did wonderful works in your name. They've done all these things in their name, but they were never a part of his kingdom. Listen, you can point to all kinds of works, but still be lost. And still be lost. Um, If you ever read the story about Martin Luther, John Wesley was another one. He was a preacher, he was a missionary. Uh, he, he went to take the gospel to the uh, uh, Native Americans, Native Americans, and uh, said he was devoted, he was diligent. Um, he had memorized most of the New Testament in Greek. said he'd get up at, at four o'clock every morning. He'd lay and sleep on a dirt floor. He was all about working for the Lord. And then as he was preaching one day, he came under the conviction of the word and, and got saved. Let's talk about Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus, he was, a, he was a Pharisee, so he was one in 2,000 in the whole nation of Israel. And then it said he was, uh, he was the uh, member of the Sanhedrin, so he was one of 70 in the whole nation of Israel. And then it says that Nicodemus was the teacher of teachers. So every teacher, right, uh, every teacher went to Nicodemus and asked him questions. He taught all the other teachers. 
And what did Jesus say about him? What did he say about him? He tells Nicodemus twice. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Now, my point is this, ladies and gentlemen, right? None of us are, uh, have been devoted to God where we've, we've learned the New Testament in Greek. None of us uh, get up at 4 a.m. and go to a, uh, to a civilization to, to take the gospel somewhere, right? None of us would say we're that religious, right? That devoted. So here's the thing is, if the works of John Wesley and uh, men like Martin Luther and uh, Nicodemus couldn't get, to hev- couldn't get them to heaven, why in the world would you expect your works to get you there? It's impossible. Mike said it last night. I'll get to that. But, um, but here's the thing is, don't lie to yourself. Right? Don't bow up in your heart right now and say, I'm, I'm turning this guy off. I don't want to listen to anything he's got to say. He don't know what I've done. Don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Don't tell yourself that you can do enough good works and God's going to accept you. I had a gentleman, he's in his 60s, his name was Tim, uh, in South Dakota. And uh, we are having discipleship class one day, and we're sharing our testimonies. And we're going around the room sharing about uh, when, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and then what, what Christ has done for us uh, since then. And as we're going around the room, he gives his testimony. And there wasn't anything in it. I mean... Um, so I didn't say anything to him. He goes home and he talks to his wife that day and he says, you know, I listen to those other people's testimony and they're telling about this and that. And he goes, but mine's not like theirs. So he came and he asked me, he goes, what's going on? And, I got, and he was our worship leader, worship leader. In fact, yeah, yeah, he's our worship leader. Been, uh, been the worship leader at Mercy Gate Church for, I don't know, at least two years, two years. And, uh, and so anyway, um, through counseling, uh, he'd realized he'd never repented. He never repented. And the reason was, is at age 12, he was, what's the word? Confirmed. He was confirmed at age 12. He had somebody put their hand on him and say, you're confirmed. He got baptized. He'd been going to church all of his life and thought he was saved. But through a discussion, because of God's grace, through some testimonies and some knuckleheads, he realized, I don't have a changed life. I don't have a changed life. There was never a moment in time where I switched gears and started living for him. I just continued to live for myself. And through that whole thing, God saved him. And now he's still our worship leader, obviously, or their worship leader. But uh, I've seen that time after time, ladies and gentlemen. It happens more than, more than it's talked about. It happens a lot. So, the people of Jesus, right, that stand before Jesus, they just laid out all their works. Here they are. Here's the times I preached. I led discipleship class. Here's my Bible study lessons I taught. Here's the meals I cooked. Here's the times I came to church. Here are all the prayers I said on my knees to you, God. Here are my bank statements where I gave you your work. And they're saying, all these works I did in your name should outweigh all the bad I've done in my life. That's what they're saying. And Mike said it last night, Galatians 2.16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Because of works of the law, no one will be justified. 
You know what no one means in Greek? No one. No one. Nobody. There's not enough amount of works in this world that you can do that's going to save your soul. So, so notice what he says about their good works in verse 23. What does he say about them? He calls their works, right? Their works, iniquity. Now, that's interesting, right? He calls, Jesus calls everything they did iniquity, lawlessness, and wickedness. I mean, how in the world can Jesus say coming to church is bad? How can Jesus say preparing meals for people to eat at church is bad? How can Jesus, how can Jesus say me standing behind the pulpit preaching the gospel is bad? Right? I'm like, what in the world is going on here? You know, think about it. These people didn't say, hey, we were thieves, we were robbers, we hurt people, we sold drugs. We did drugs. We got drunk. We beat our wives. I cheated on my husband. We blasphemed your holy name. They didn't say that. They're saying, we preached, we taught, we worked, we came to church, we prayed, we gave to your work. We did all these great things in your name. And so where's the scripture for this? Isaiah, right? Isaiah 64, 6. The Bible teaches us in Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. So every good work that we've ever done in Christ's name as an unbeliever is still filthy rags before God without the righteousness we need through Christ. So that's one part of it. And I thought, let me dig a little deeper. Why did he call their good works uh, iniquity? I mean, even a preacher, an unbelieving preacher that's never repented and believed on his name to stand by the, behind the pulpit preaching the gospel so people could hear it and repent and believe and get saved, how could that be wrong? How could that be bad? Here it is. This is why. So God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to be the savior of the world. So Jesus paid the debt for our sins on the cross. It means that Jesus died for my sins, he died for your sins, he died for everyone's sins in the world. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Of all our sins. And when you or I or anyone else try to come into his kingdom some other way, we say, Jesus, your sacrifice on the cross is not enough. Jesus, the blood that you shed on the cross is not good enough for me. I'll come my own way. I'll do my own thing. And I'll get there in my own time. Anytime we try to come our own way, ladies and gentlemen, it's iniquity. It's lawlessness. God says, I've given you my son. What more could I have given you? His precious, sinless blood for your sins on the cross. I've given you everything you need. And now you tell me you want to come some other way? You want to tell me that your works outweigh what my son, Jesus Christ, came in the world, hanging on that cross, dying for your sins on the cross, what he came in the world to do? Listen, what in the world could God have done to demonstrate his love for you any more than what he's already done through his son, Jesus Christ? How many works would it take to equal his life? There's no amount of works, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're listening to me this morning. We're not supposed to approach salvation as, what's the word, lax, laxical, daisial, I don't know. 
We're not supposed to approach it in a way of, ah, I'm good. Right? We're not supposed to do that. Yes, God wants us to have assurance of our salvation. He wants us to know. He says in 1 John, right, I've written this book so that you may know that you have eternal life. He wants us to know. But we're not supposed to be walking around, right, kicking lilies and stuff and saying, I'm good. I don't need to check myself. I don't need to examine myself. Listen to me. If you're trying to come into God's kingdom some other way other than through the cross of Jesus Christ, you're not going to go. You're not going to heaven. You're not going there. Listen, it's not going to happen. These people went through their whole life thinking they're okay with God. And here's the thing is, nobody around them probably ever doubted it. Nobody they rubbed elbows with probably ever, didn't ever think they weren't Christians. Nobody found out they were false. Nobody could see into their heart. But God did. But God did. So how are they revealed, right? How are they revealed? How are they revealed that they're lost? So it says in verse 22, it says, In that day, which uh, it's, in, it's on judgment day, right? All right? It's going to be made known that they were never saved to begin with. Now, now think about this, church. Again, how scary would it be to go all, all the way through your life professing to be a Christian, doing all these works, and then realize when it's the most important time, that you're not a Christian when it's too late. And the last words you hear is, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Acts 17.31 says, Because he hath appointed a day in which he would judge the world in righteousness. So who's judging? Who's sitting on the throne? Who are these people standing in front of? Jesus. They're standing in front of Jesus. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You that try to save yourself. You that try to come into my kingdom another way. You that bring these works and say they're good enough. You and your religion. You're not a part of my kingdom. You hear what he's saying? Jesus is saying, it's not what you say or believe that makes you a Christian. He's saying, it's not what you do and how much you do of it that makes you a Christian. It's not that you know about Jesus, right? You come in on Wednesday and Sundays and you hear truth. You know who he is. Remember, they're not denying who he is. They're acknowledging that he is Lord. It's do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him? So the word know means an intimate relationship. It means an intimate relationship. The best way I can picture to you is this. When I met Kim the first time, uh, and I said, hot diggity dog, I, I get to, no, okay, but anyway, maybe, maybe, but, but um, when I met her, right, I knew about her, right, before I ever courted her or anything, right, I, I called some people, I said, the first thing I made sure of, is she a Christian, is she living for the Lord, does she love Jesus, Right? Because if they would have said, mm, it's iffy or whatever, then it would have never went there no farther. And she did the same with me. And it had been the same thing. Right? If I would have been saying, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but I'm living like the devil, right? She wouldn't have had anything to do with me either. But here's the thing is, 
I knew about her. I knew what other people told me about her. I knew what she said about herself, right? But when I married her, when I married her, I knew her in a, I know her in an intimate way. It's not just because, uh, you know, the obvious. It's because I know my wife in every way. I know her, right? I know what she likes, right? I love her. I live for her. I want to please her. And when I don't, right, I feel bad. I have to ask her forgiveness. It's the same way with Jesus, right? I love him. I live for him. I want to please him. And when I don't, I come before him and, I'm at, and I ask his forgiveness just like I have to come before my wife once in a while and have to ask her to forgive me. And that's, that's intimate. You don't get that one Sunday a week, ladies and gentlemen. Right? It's a daily relationship. It's her exposing everything to me and me exposing myself to her. It's intimate. Our, do you have an intimate relationship with Jesus? So here we go. Where are we at on time? Okay, we're good. All right, so how do you know? How do you know if you're a real Christian? How do you know if you really are what you say you are? How, do you, how can you examine, your, examine yourself and test yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith? Here we go. One, who do you live for every day? Is it Jesus or yourself? Who do you live for every day? Every day when, you're, when you wake up, your eyes come open, and you're thinking about all the things you got to get done in that day, who do you live for throughout that whole day? Second, who do you want to please every day? Do you want to please him? Are you walking according to his word? Or do you want to please self? The thing is, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Is I can't look into your heart, but I can look at how you live your life and know what's going on in your heart. This is how it works. You say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. And I look at your life and I see that every decision you make is for your own will, your own glory, for your own purposes. And that shows me what you treasure in your heart. You're not treasuring God, you're treasuring yourself. And that's why you make every single decision according to your own will and not His. Third question, what do you do when you break God's commandments? Do you sin every day? Yeah, right? We do. We sin every day. What do you do? What do you do when you break God's commands? Do you go to him and you say, Lord, expose my heart. Show me in the areas and the ways that I've missed the mark. I've sinned against you or sinned against others. You take the time to go through there and say, God, please I confess and please forgive me of these things and turn away from those things or do, or do when you sin, do you just move on? Do you say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, go to the wrong place, right? You know it's wrong, you know what his word says, but you just keep on moving. Those right there, right, those three questions right there, if you're, if you're living for yourself, you don't care whether you please Jesus or not, and you're not confessing sin when you sin every day, yeah, I can assure you this. You're so spiritually far backslidden at the very least, but there's a good chance you're not saved.
there's a good chance you're not saved. Now, here's the benefit. Here's the beautiful part of it. Listen, I'm not up here teaching you sinless perfection. right? I said I sin every day. Sometimes I say the wrong things. I definitely think the wrong things. Right? I might be good at doing the outward stuff, but inside, right, God sees it all. And I have to confess those things to him. Listen to me. If you're doing those things, right, if you're trying to live for Jesus, you're trying to please him every day, and you're confessing your sin, maybe not every day, but you're, you're on it. These are the evidences that you are truly born again. This is the assurance that he wants you to have. Right? We go through our whole lives thinking, I can't really know. I'm just hoping for the best. And I'm, you know, we can know. We can know. And if you're living for Jesus, listen, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. This is the evidence that you're saved. If you're doing things for him, right? If you want to truly please him, you know, at the end of the day, there's always two people in the room, and that's you and Jesus. And if you go through that day and knowing that you did, a, you did well, and you continue to keep your plate clean, confess your sin, these are the assurances that you're truly born again, that you really do belong to him, that you'll never hear these words. That when you take your last breath or you stand before Jesus, he's going to say, come on in. I got a place for you. I went away to prepare a place for you, Bubba. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Listen, don't just say the right things, believe the right things, and do the right things and be lost. You know, it's probably not, maybe not good to say, but... But I, as a pastor, I'd rather you go out here and surrender to whatever you truly are. So that way, I know how to, I know how to counsel you. I'd rather you, if you're, if you're going to be a, the devil, but you're going to do it in a way where I don't know you are, I'd rather you just embrace it and live for him so every time I see you, I can share Jesus with you. And tell him that he died for your sins on the cross. And if you're willing to repent and believe on him, you can be saved and adopted in his family too. You're not going to hear that from a lot of preachers, but embrace it. Go on out there. Get all of it you want. I'm going to pray I get a chance to share the gospel and you're going to repent and believe. On that day, the only thing is going to matter is if you know Jesus and he knows you. That's the only thing that's going to matter, ladies and gentlemen. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Do you know him? Do you have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Notice verse 23. He said, I never knew you. So this is important. When he says, I never knew you, he says that you were never saved. You were never changed. You, were, you, you never knew me as your Savior. You didn't know me one day and you lost it. No. He's saying, you never knew me. Doing all those things didn't save him, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I look at all those things that this passage is teaching and those people were doing. I look at the things I'm doing. I'm like, I don't even compare. They're just like, Phew. But he calls them iniquity. He calls it wickedness. So, because they didn't know Jesus as their Savior, right? He says in verse 23, depart from me. So, Jesus is... He put this in the Bible so he could warn us. He could warn us. Because why? He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to truly know him. 
He says, I come to give you abundant life. We don't have to wait for that. We're experiencing that right now as believers. The day we came into heaven in eternity is the day we repented and believed. We're not there yet, but we're, we're on the good side of it, right? We're just awaiting the day. So, this sentence is going to be passed on everyone who never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, he doesn't want to pass the sentence on you. He doesn't want you to be separated from him. That's why he put it here. That's why he gave it to us right here. You don't have to spend eternity separated from Jesus. So, don't reject him. Don't go to the judgment in here. Depart from me. So you say, okay, pastor, how do I do it? How do I get saved? Well, Jesus says this. I know you probably thought I skipped over it, but I didn't. Look at verse 21. Jesus says, he who does the will of my Father in heaven will be saved. Now, what is God's will for an unbeliever? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Respond to his word and get saved. Acts 17.30 says this, that God commands all men everywhere to repent. This is the only way to salvation. Right? You can know the gospel. You can know a lot of knowledge. You can know the scriptures. Your parents might be very religious. You might be involved in a great ministry or whatever and be lost. If you've never repented, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're lost. So God commands all men everywhere to repent. So, uh, how are we doing worship this morning? Just You want to play that song, Stephen? So here's your time. The altars are open this morning. And if you need somebody to help you walk through salvation with you, right? right? You have to admit you're a sinner, right? You've got to realize you need saving. But there's nothing you can do on your own merit that's going to save yourself. You have to confess your sin before a holy God. You have to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins on that cross, that God raised him three days later. And the Bible says you have to repent. You have to turn from your sin, and you have to turn to him and submit to him as Lord. There's no other way. Can anybody be saved any other way? No, church. No. So don't be deceived. Let me pray. Father, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that uh, you've given us your word, that we don't have to be in the dark, Lord, that, that we can truly know that we, we belong to you. And so, Lord, um, I just pray, God, that, you, that anybody needs to do business with you this morning, I just pray, God, that you give them the courage to step out and admit, Lord, that they've been resting in what they've done rather than resting in what you've already done for them. So, Lord, thank you. We praise you for your sacrifice that you made on the cross. I ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Is that it? Well, uh, Brother Mike Simon, do you want to pray us out?